Welcome back to the Find Your Voice podcast. Today is episode 35. In case you don't know me yet, my name is Freya Casey. I'm a professional singer and vocal coach, and I am extremely passionate about personal development. Let me share something. Today, I want to really share about how I have overcome fear and how I consistently overcome any fear that I have. Now, that some kind of fear comes up that is normal as a human being. We have emotions, we have feelings, and yes, we start worrying sometimes, but here's how I have overcome. But first, let me tell you a story. Actually, last year when I read a book, and I'm going to tell you about the book, that has radically changed my life. Now, whatever background you may have when it comes to what you believe in, now let me go back a little bit and let me tell you about my journey of faith and what I believe in. So I was raised in a family where my dad was extremely atheist. Now, I actually always thought both of my parents were atheists. The truth is my mom was actually raised in a kind of a traditional German home where it was normal, like, you know, for Christmas and Easter, you would go to church, not, I think not Catholic. I think she was part of the, like the, the Lutheran church, but you don't really think about it too much. You just do it because everyone else does it. And then you do those milestones, you know, like confirmation for the teenager. It's here in Germany. It's a big thing. I don't know if it is anywhere else. You just participate. And in school, you have that subject that's called religion. <laughs> and that's basically they teach you some Bible stories and, you know, about things Christian. But I thought my both of my parents were atheists. Then when I grew up and I had a lot of arguments or a lot of discussions, not arguments, a lot of discussions with classmates. There was one classmate, he was a Christian and he like, he, we would discuss a lot about like, why do you think there is no God? Like to me, you know, why do, do I think there is no God? Here's the truth. Although my parents instilled in me that no, that's kind of dumb to believe there's a God, you know, we can see it, it's nature, it's evolution, it's the law of nature and all that. Even though that was kind of instilled in me, there were moments when it's almost like I had to believe there had to be more. For example, when my cat didn't come back home and I was really worried that something really bad happened to my cat, I prayed and I was like, okay, God, if you are there, you probably all know this. I don't know if you have, maybe if you've not been raised in, in a faith background, you know this, maybe if you have been raised in a faith background, you know, if your parents were in church and believed in a God, you still, maybe you doubted it. And then when there were moments when you were in deep need, or there was like this moment of despair, you cried out. It's like, well, okay, I don't think there is a God, but well, if there is, hello, God, if you are there, can you do this for me? <laughs> so it's really funny because, and then I will tell you the other story that when my, my dad, as I told you, he was not just an atheist. He studied Christianity to a T and he studied history. He had hundreds of books. He had an entire room, like all the walls, floor to floor to ceiling filled with books. He read all of them and they were all about history, astrophysics, philosophy, and, you know, a lot of history of Christianity kind of books. And he always was very certain. It's like this, I have proof. There's just 
Christianity is a hoax. Jesus was not the son of God. And they made this up. I'm going to try to keep this short because otherwise this podcast is going to get way long. But later, years later, I was already an adult. And I remember I was, I worked at the travel agency. After school, I went to the United States for a year. I got married. We came back. And when we came back to Germany, I actually studied to be a travel agent. I worked on the travel agency and I did this in Germany, it's like a, you know, Ausbildung, which means you work full time, but at the same time, twice a week, you have school, you kind of do this dual system, and then you get your degree. It's like a vocational college, and it's a vocational degree. A lot of people do this here. So I became a travel agency, but a travel agent at that time, my dad, I don't know the details, because I never really found out. But apparently, like he had been into archaeology and he had friends that were actual archaeologists. And they went to the south of France because there was something there. They were supposed to like do an excavation and they were supposed to find or they they were sure after all research, they were going to find something there that was going to prove that Jesus was not the son of God, apparently something like to prove that he was still there, he was still around. And like, I don't know. But anyway, it was supposed to, maybe it was something about the Holy Grail. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, but he was basically on this mission, his entire life to study and find proof that Christianity is not true and that is just made up and that Jesus was not the son of God. When he was in the south of France, he had a stroke and he went into a coma. After a week or two, I think they flew him back to Germany, he had to be flown back like a special, special f- transportation because he was a patient and he ha- needed all this care. So well, there was this very special thing. And the good thing was we had like, he had a travel insurance, which then would, he, it paid for his uh, return home back to Germany from France. I went to the hospital to see him right after they brought him there. And it was really the most, I don't know, miraculous thing, really. My background back then already was like, I was married to someone like my ex-husband husband was a Texan, or he is a Texan. He's still he is a Texan, but he is now my ex-husband. And he was in a Pentecostal church. So that when I met him, it was like atheist meets Pentecostal. (laughs) That's wow. But I was always very open minded. And then he took me to one of the church services when we visited one year. We visited his hometown and his parents. We were just, you know, together. We had been together for a year. And then he took me home. And he just said, well, would you come to the altar once? And so I went and kneeled at the altar. And when the music played, that really moved me and it touched me. And so I was there at the altar and I was like, basically... I gave my heart to God and I started believing. And I can't lie, it was sometimes 
like I was, I was really trying to please people there. I was trying to be accepted in that community. They were all Pentecostals. And I started doing all the things that they told me were right or not right. You know, like I stopped doing the things that were not supposed to do. I wanted to please everyone. I was 20 years old. I just wanted to, I, I was such a people, people pleaser by nature anyway. And I just wanted to be looked at at, oh, she's the good girl. So after we got married, even... You know, like I, I, we stayed there for a little while, but I did not feel right there. Like they, you know, basically that was a very conservative Pentecostal church, which I, I respect that, but it was just not for me. They were like, well, women cannot wear pants. Women do not cut their hair. You don't wear earrings. You don't wear makeup because it's all vanity and that's not good. It just wasn't for me. So we left that background and he was also open to exploring because he had been also traveling all the world. He was open to exploring other options. And then we were part of like another Assemblies of God church and a church of God. And a, a, I then worked at a, an Episcopal church. So different. Uh, we were also went to a Bible church. Now in the United States, there are so many different kinds of churches in Germany, that that's not the case. You know, there's Lutheran, there's Catholic, maybe there's like a, a few others that are really small ones. But Lutheran and Catholic, maybe Methodist and Baptist. But other than that, not much going on. Not, not mainstream anyway. So, but let me, now I was then called myself a Christian when this happened with my dad. And I went to the hospital and basically, he looked at me, he took my hand, and he looked at me, and then he said, Jesus' hands are so beautiful, and he cried. And he could hardly speak because it was really hard to understand him. You know, he was like, left side was paralyzed. And I could not believe it, because he had, like, if his background up to that point was so against Christianity and everything against it and calling everyone who believed in God like a dummy. Basically, you're dumb. You are not very intelligent. It's obvious that this is how the world works and it's like science, right? And that was really amazing. Basically, he said he saw Jesus. He saw God. And then he joined the church and then he bought for me or he had someone buy for me a golden cross, like a pendant for the necklace. And I wore that. And then he passed away a year and a half or so after he had that stroke. So that is that story. Then, you know, I told you my husband and I, we were like, went to different churches and I for myself decided, you know what, I don't need to belong to a very specific church. I don't like this. I don't like that. Oh, Pentecostal saying, think they're doing everything right. And then everyone else thinks, oh no, we are doing everything right. <laughs> and then I started studying other religions and I was like, you know, basically, it's all the same God, but everyone is having a different interpretation and everyone's arguing about the nitty gritty, what am I supposed to do and what am I not supposed to do? 
And here's where I am today. I don't really believe in this concept of this is all wrong and this is all right. I think we have that moral compass inside of us. It's built in. All good and all evil is inside of us. God and the devil, it's all inside of us. It's not outside. It's we are all of that. But anyway, I wanted to get to this. It, it may be a little bit. That's why I'm telling you this entire story. So last year, I read a book, Seth Speaks. Now, if you, anyone here is familiar with the law of attraction and Abraham Hicks, you may want to look this up. It's very, it sounds very woo woo. But there's a lot of science to support that, of course, everything has a frequency. Every atom has a frequency. Every item, everything has a frequency. So like my cup here has a frequency at which it would start vibrating. When something is on top of my piano, like the metronome, and I play an A5, it's the A4, I think, the A4 then it vibrates along. When I leave the A4, it doesn't anymore. It's just the A4, that's the frequency at which my metronome, it, it just has that, you know, vibration. It has that frequency. So everything has a frequency. There was this case of this bridge. I don't know what it's called anymore. But in the United States, there's footage of this. You can see it on YouTube, original footage, where there was a bridge and Back in the day, they didn't build bridges to where, you know, they, they had these sections that were allowed to move to where it wouldn't start wobbling the entire bridge. So, but then, then it was static and then the wind was strong and all the traffic on top, like the, for some reason, the bridge started vibrating in a frequency and it wobbled and it wobbled and it kept wobbling more and more until it broke apart. It's pretty bad. So because it it started vibrating because the wind and everything that happened, maybe the traffic also, it started creating a frequency at which then the bridge vibrated along. It's like that. You can sing into a piano and you will hear an echo, but it's not your actual voice. It's the strings that vibrate, but only those that have the frequency of the your voice or the tone that you're in. You have overtones. So that is acoustic science and not just acoustics work that way. Everything works that way. Everything has a frequency. It is proven even by science that like, you know, Mozart, for example, is like, it's very consonant. It's not dissonant. It's there are relations between the pitches that create calm and harmony, literally in our cells, in our brain, binaural beats. That is also, you can look it up. There is a scientific, scientific background that at which when you hit certain frequencies, and binaural beats means, you know, the left ear and the right ear, you put on earphones and both sides will have a frequency that is slightly, that slightly differs. But overall, it causes your brain to want to get into sync with those, with that frequency. And you can pick different frequencies of that binaural, of those binaural beats. You can find different ones on YouTube. There are videos about that for either focus or having 
you know, better time falling asleep, which is more like relaxing. And there is a science behind that. And it actually, that's actually how it works. So (laughs) why am I saying all that? Because everything I'm about to say is going to sound really woo woo without all of this background. So I've been looking into all these different things. It's like, how does the world work? And that's why I'm also interested in biology. How does everything work? And why is it this way? Seth speaks. Now, basically in that book, it's Seth is the name for, he calls himself an entity. So it's not a person. It's an entity. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a he or she, because he or she would mean it has, it takes on the shape, the physical form of a human being. But what he says, or you know, we're going to call him him because he gives himself the name of Seth in order, he says, like, in order to, for us to understand, to relate to him, saying that we are all everything. We are energy. And all energy is in us. And the universe is basically in us and everything that exists. And we can take on different forms. And so we could, for example, live, I can live my life as Freya Casey and have this identity of, in this reality, I am Freya Casey. I sing. I am a mother. I was born in Germany. I speak German and English. (laughs) These are the things I'm interested in. And I have brown hair and I am 168 centimeters tall. I don't know what this is in foot right now. (laughs) I'm like average woman size, female size. And that's just, that's, that's this reality right here. But the time is, for us, the time is like there's a past and a present and the future. But the truth is, and I'm just saying what Seth says, okay? And I'm not telling you I believe all of this. It's just what I read. There's not a past and a present and a future. It is all time does not exist, basically. It's different layers of reality, of realities. It's almost like why? Why do I want to be Freya Casey? Why why am I here as Freya Casey? What are the other realities that are me, that are spirit, that are whatever I am, the energy that I am? And it's really interesting because he talked about his other incarnations, I guess you could call it. Oh, I used to be this person. I used to be that person. I used to be this poor person. And then I was this rich person and I was a king and I was this and that. And basically he says, well, you have all these different iterations of reality because it interests you. And it's almost like, you know, it's it's very much like sometimes in Hinduism, you have to live all these lives in order to ultimately be enlightened, and then you are elevated to the ultimate nirvana, or, you know, it's all very interesting. But it made me think, it just made me think of like, you know what, and this is something I've always felt, I always felt the sense that I'm an old soul, I don't know, when I was a child, I was already thinking about these things that were like, so 
removed from thinking about close up, you know, looking at this life in close up, but I was always looking at it from a distance, like from the perspective of, of the universe and everything that happens. And I always felt like, this is so minute. Like, why are we, why are we worrying about these things? And I was always thinking about this. This reality right here is so finite and I shouldn't worry about those minute details that could just make it worse. Like, why would I want to do that? And last night I lay in bed and I was thinking, you know, if I keep doing the same thing I've been doing, I'm going to get the same result that, you know, that, that I get, that I've been getting, but I want it different in the future. So it's good that I want to go to the United States and it's good that I want to do all that. And it, yes, I don't know it. There are a lot of unknowns and yes, I could start saying this is kind of scary and like this week I was thinking I was walking through town I was going for a run and I was thinking oh what if why am I going away from all this you know it's so comfortable and everything kind of I have no people but then I reminded myself like you know what it's good here but it's gonna be good there too what's the difference and I want to be at the end of my life and I want to be at a point to where I can look back and think I have done it and the experience, even going through highs and lows, then looking back, it's so much richer. I'm going to be so rich versus just having stayed in my comfort zone. And that's exactly how I overcome fear. I just tell myself, this is only one iteration of reality. It's one possibility. And it's never right or wrong. It's something I can do. And if I want to do it, I just I'm just going to do it and it's never right or wrong. It's just going to lead me down a certain path and no path is like a path of no return. But it is true that you will never return. And we always have this thing that we have, we, we had a really great experience or a really wonderful moment and we want to recreate that. But the truth is we can never recreate a moment because a moment is only there one time. It's fleeting. As soon as it's happened, it's gone. So like many times I've always tried to reiterate like, okay, can we do this again? Because last time this was so amazing. It never, never, never felt the exact same way when I tried to recreate that. Always feels different. Usually disappointing because like it's not the original moment. Does that make sense? So instead of trying to recreate the things that were good. I'm trying to recreate new things that can be that thing that I'm going to remember as, well, wasn't that amazing? And looking back, even when you're in the middle of something that is not what you've wanted and desirable, like when I had to pay 33,000 euros to the German IRS, I can't say that I was like happy about it and that it was like, wow, that is what I've always dreamed of. No, it did not feel good to have to transfer that much money in back taxes. But now I'm like, actually afterwards, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I had the money. Like, I'm glad I put that money away. I feel easy and I feel like, okay, now I'm going to double down on my paperwork so this doesn't happen again. And I'm going to make sure that I got things in order. And I don't have fear 
because I always remind myself of the fact that it's not right or wrong. There is not, it's not written in stone. There are at any given moment in my life, countless, unlimited options. It's never just A or B. There are every moment that I live, I could go so many different directions, right? And so my life could turn out so many different directions. But the main direction is always the same. I'm living this life, this reality, and it will lead me I don't know it right now. It will leave me, lead me to the next reality, <laughs> to the next iteration, whether that is death, heaven, the next life, or enlightenment. And then I can be, like Seth says, a teacher where I come and I speak through someone and I can, a lot of questions, of course. And I don't say I believe in any of this. What I'm saying is that it opened my horizons to really understanding that even God says, you know, trust in the trust in me. Just lean on that, lean on that faith that it's okay. It's going to be okay. And even if I die tomorrow, it's okay. I wouldn't deliberately want to go there. I personally quite enjoy this life and what sometimes like last night I was lying in bed I was thinking like I wouldn't mind being 100 or 110 because my goodness there's so much I want to do and I really freaking love this life it's amazing but you know what if it were if it were to end tomorrow maybe that's exciting <laughs> whatever is on the other side I don't know but it's okay because I live my life up to this point to the fullest and I have the feeling like I'm not in fear of this life. I'm enjoying this and I am tasting every moment in a consciousness that allows me to soak it up and to take it in. So it's like I'm rich because I am conscious of all the things around me. And of course, I want to get more conscious all the time. I want to open up that consciousness more and more. To me, the greatest art is the art of living. What do I mean by that? Living, like some people live their lives and they, they're overwhelmed and they don't like it. And they feel like there's no cause, there's no reason why. They don't appreciate life. Maybe they're just not at a point to where they, they, they've had this realization of, wow, I, can, I could create all these different things. How much power I have. I have so much power. I literally have so much power to create so many things that I have come up with right up here in my head. I have visualized, I have dreamed it up, and then I've done it. You know, like so many things. Like singing, singing an, a piece of music or creating a piece of music. I have dreamed it up and then I've created it and then I've done it. And like, I, I, you know, my children had the desire. I took the steps and then I became a mom. And it wasn't always easy. It was and that now I'm at this crossroads again to where I'm going to attempt to become a mom one more time for my baby number four. I'm taking the steps. But again, it's not... It's not about the outcome. 
my desired outcome is to have one more child, but the journey is what gives me confidence because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take the steps now. I'm talking to the clinic. I'm asking them what are the tests that I need. And now I'm about to like have all these blood drawings done and all the tests that they need, all the, you know, all the things, <laughs> hormone levels and, and making sure there are no diseases or something. And I'm just taking the steps and I'm just doing my part. That's all I can do in good faith that it's just going to lead me to the next step. And that's going to lead me to another step. And then after the embryo transfer, that's, I just wait and then I will see the outcome. If the pregnancy test is negative, then I can think about, okay, it's not a desired outcome. Am I going to try it again? Or am I okay? Did this journey lead to me not wanting to do it again? Or did this journey lead me to, oh, I will keep trying this because this is what I really want. And the truth is, you know, I did I share this list of 50 things that I want. The truth is, it's a flowing list. It's it's ever changing. And probably I should come up with a new list every single year because it changes all the time. So, but that is how I overcome fear. I trust in life itself and I trust in the journey. And it's not about the end goal and it's not about fearing what is going to happen. Whatever is going to happen is one stepping stone that's only going to lead me in a very certain direction because of what happened. So if it's undesirable, it's only one more learning piece of this whole puzzle. And it's one more realization of this is not how I wanted it to be. So this is not going to work. I'm going to have to create a different system or I have to change something about myself or even sometimes it's only maybe I have to change, reframe this whole thing and think about it in a different way and have a different perception of it all. So that's how I overcome fear because literally like, yes, I'm a human being and I sometimes when I'm in this moment of being caught up in this presence and this humanness and the hormones, yes, of course, I have moments when I freak out when everything's too much. I mean, just last a few days ago, both twins were extremely tired and they were screaming. And then my daughter had a f like a bunch of friends over and they were all loud. And because of them, the, the twins were very unsettled and I freaked out for a couple minutes because I'm like, I cried. I'm like, this is too much. But then I realized it's like, it's okay. I would not trade it for the world because the main thing is I love my babies. I love my kids. I love all those friends being here. It's what I've always wanted. It's good. It's all good. And that really helps me to come out of that, you know, hormonal thing. This was a long episode, but I wanted to share this and I wanted to challenge you to really ask yourself, is it really about the outcome or is it about the journey? And what about, what if the journey could be what it's all about? And what if you could just enjoy it a bit more? And whatever negative outcome could happen, don't tell yourself all the negatives. Just keep your eyes on the prize. Like, what is that goal? What is it that you ultimately want? And then figure out the more you can fail, the quicker you're going to figure out 
how you are going to get there. Thank you so much for listening. Always keep dreaming big and uh, check out my website, findyourvoicetv for more resources. Have a great day. I'll talk soon.